Amen. You can be seated. Wow. What a great, great morning we've had this morning. Hope that you've had one in this week. It's been unbelievable, unbelievable. One of the things that we love to do is just to say pause and say hello, man. Pastor Zach said it already this morning, but if you're new around here, my name is Bobby. I'm one of the pastors here. And we say a lot around here this one phrase, welcome home. You've heard that. You've probably seen it. Uh, that's not a marketing gimmick for us. It's our prayer that no matter if you grew up in church, out of church, close to God, far away, that when you come into this place, that we're all welcome here, that nobody's perfect, that this really is a place that you can call home. So if you're new around here, thanks for being here today. In fact, there's a little guest info card. You'll find it in the seat pocket, sort of in front of you there. If you don't mind, take a moment, just fill that out. And you can either drop it in a basket in a moment when they come by, or even better, uh, right after this gathering, head through this side door where you see the exit sign and join me in the meet and greet room. I'd love to say hello and just to get to shake your hand and say thanks for being here and swap it for a free gift. And it's really good gift, not one of those lame, cheesy things you're going to throw away. It's really good. So I want to invite you to come by and uh, say hello. But I want to invite our team that's going to help us in our time of generosity. If you'll go ahead and make your way in place. And as they're coming, can I just pause and brag on your kiddos for a second? Is that okay? I've never met a parent, or let me rephrase this, I've never met a grandparent that uh, would say, no, don't brag on my kiddo or my grandkiddo. Some of you are in that, in that zone. Well, this week we did, for the first time ever that I'm aware of, we did a kids serve week and we had over 40 kiddos, like uh, elementary school kids serving all week long and then about uh, 20 or so adults and students helping them. Yeah, I, I interrupted you, go for it. That's a good place, Q, yes. That, I, I mean, it's unbelievable. So these kiddos uh, learned what it looks like to serve in the church, in their community to serve others as well. And so they've been up here working all week long. And then they went across on Wednesday, I believe it was, to City Hall, hung out with the mayor, gave all the city workers these cookies that had the church uh, cross and logo on there. Then they went down to Gary Perkle Park and they painted this ginormous fence that's down there. And so I don't know if you need any painting done in your house but it might benefit you to volunteer in kids ministry because maybe next serve week you, I, I don't know, that's probably a bad reason to serve, but your kids did incredible. And so if you see Rhonda and Joe and Teresa that lead up that team, say thank you to them. If they have dark circles under their eyes from this, buy them a monster from the, the, the drink machine out there. But man, your kids are unbelievable. Thank you for allowing us to partner with you in that. Today as we give, I wanna invite you to pray for two big things. There's always needs going on around us, but I want to invite you to pray for two specific things. One is this week about, I became aware of about $6,000 worth of needs within families in our community. Now we, we're one of these churches that says we want to help as many people as possible, but just like your budget, we've got a budget and that we can't say yes to everything, but there's some strategic needs that we feel called that, that is something that God would have us to do. And so if you don't mind, pray for that benevolence needs of about $6,000. And the second one is some of you have noticed it's a little bit warmer in here the last couple of weeks. I, uh, I, I don't know if you felt that or not. I sweated extra during the first hour, but we have three rooftop units that cool this part of the building down. And one of those is hobbling along and it costs a mere $30,000 to replace it. So you can imagine that's a big, big need around here. 
And so I just want to bring that to you and say, would you pray about that? Would you pray for what God wants to do in that? And if it's something that you feel led to be part of, man, I, I just, every single week we tell you, money doesn't go into a black hole. It goes to ministry and to missions. And these are some real needs that I'd invite you to be part of. But I'd love, love to pray for us and then we'll have our time of giving. Father, thank you so much for today and that you are our great provider. Thank you that everything that we have comes from you. Help us to live in such a way that we honor you in all that we do. God, would you uh, take what we give today and would you cause it to be, go even further than we could imagine to reach more people and to do what it is you want us to do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, as the Bassies are coming by, I'm so grateful you're here today. We're wrapping up a three-part, just a mini three-part teaching series called Your Story Matters. And so Pastor Chuck's going to be back uh, next week after uh, a time of rejuvenation. And so if there's any Sunday to be here, you got to be here next Sunday because he has an unbelievable message in store for us next week. So I encourage you to be back. But in Your Story Matters, what we said is that every single person is living a life that over time it's going to tell a story. Right, one day at the end of our lives, somebody's going to stand up and they're going to tell what our life was like. They're going to talk about what kind of person we were, what kind of husband we were, what kind of worker we were, what kind of neighbor we were, what kind of parent we were. One day, somebody's going to tell the story of our life. And honestly, we don't often get up in the morning thinking that way because the daily grind happens, the mundane goes on, on and on and on and on and on. And if we're not careful, we'll forget that every single day matters. We'll forget that today matters, that what we're doing today actually becomes a sentence or a paragraph in our story. And over time, those paragraphs become chapters and those chapters become sections. And you get what I'm saying, that every single day really does matter. So in week one, we looked at a guy named Joseph from the Old Testament. He's a guy that started out as a teenager that God said, there's something I wanna do in and through you. At the end of his life, it was unbelievable what he accomplished, but in the middle of all that, there's a lot of drama. In fact, if you check out this timeline that we have on the screen, you'll notice in Joseph's life, it starts out on the positive side, on the top side of the line. It ends on the top side of the line, but in the middle, there's more stuff underneath the line than there is on top of it. There's a lot of drama in his life. And the reason why I wanted to start there is because we like drama as long as it's in somebody else's life. We go to movies to watch drama. We like cliffhangers when we, that's all drama. We read books that have drama. We are drawn to dramas. We're drawn to people facing hard circumstances where you don't know how it's gonna turn out. And then in the end, when they, when they succeed, it's unbelievable. We like it in somebody else's story. We just don't want it in our own. Isn't that true? We would rather our story just to be super simple, but I'm telling you some of the most meaningful stories have a lot of ups and downs in it. So that was week one. And what we learned is that at the end of the story, Joseph was able to look at those that hurt him the most and the deepest and say, what you meant for evil, God used for good for the saving of many lives. That God can use your life and my life and the lives of other people. That's why we say to every parent, the way that you parent matters. To every teacher, the way that you teach matters. To every grandparent, what you do as a grandparent matters. To every single person that leads teams at work and their managers, what you do every single day matters because God can use you in somebody else's life. And then last week we came back 
And we looked at a guy named Gideon because week one was sort of Bobby's nice, neat little timeline, nice and straight, and it looked all nice and clean. The problem is week two, that timeline actually looks and feels more like this, doesn't it? We have that messy middle where there's a lot of, the, where you just get sucked into, man, the daily grind. And what we learned last week from Gideon's life is God says, but I am with you that the way that we get through the messy middle isn't to get sucked into the drama, but it's to somehow, and I know it's not easy, but to somehow distance ourselves from the mess and to say, if God is with me, just like God said to Gideon, if God is with me, then how can I live differently? How can I live with that intention that if God's with me, I can live intentionally? Well, this week we're wrapping up this big idea to say there's a story that actually matters the most. If you have a Bible, I'm gonna invite you to follow along or if you have an app, you can jump into that as well. But it's in Philippians chapter two. In Philippians chapter two, a guy named Paul is writing to a group of churches in a town called Philippi. And as he's writing to them, he knows there's a lot of great things going on in their lives. There's a lot of things they're doing really well, but at the same time, there are some attacks going on. There's attacks on the outside where in the culture around them, people were taking shots at the church. And then internally, there was some friction. There's some drama as well. And so as Paul begins to write to them and he begins to give them encouragement, the greatest example that he gives them about a story that matters is he looks at Jesus Christ himself. That's why around here, we make such a big deal. We say, when people ask us, hey, what kind of church are you? We try to keep it really simple. We're a church that believes the Bible is a big deal. We're a church that believes that Jesus is hands down the biggest deal and the best way that we live those truths out is by serving people here and around the world. So about a story that matters and he's a church that matters, he uses the example of Jesus. Here's what it says, look at Philippians chapter two. I'll read it to you, but you can follow along if you have it. Philippians two, verse one. He says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation in the spirit, any affection, if there's any sympathy, complete my joy. So he's talking to him, he's like, man, here's a positive thing. If there's any of this stuff, if there's sympathy, affection, make my joy complete, how? By being of the same mind, having the same love, being full of accord and one mind. He says, do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility of mind, count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interest of others. Have this mind in yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, talking about Jesus, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Verse nine, therefore God has highly exalted him and he's bestowed on him the name that is above every other name so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's talking about aligning our lives to the story that matters. And one of the dangers is in a room this size and people watching online is we have excuses. 
when somebody says, man, your story matters, your life matters, how you lead matters, how you parent matters, how you serve matters, sometimes it doesn't feel like it matters. It feels like we get pulled in and, and, and life doesn't feel all that great and it doesn't seem to go as we want. So we've got excuses where I, yeah, but I'm not a Bible scholar. Yeah, but I'm not a small group leader. Yeah, but I still have anger issues. And we've got all these excuses. I don't know if my story matters, man. I'm just trying to get by. I'm still digging out of the hole that I got myself in. I, I, I don't really know if, God, if my story matters. We've got excuses. Sometimes they're like, man, I, I don't know enough for my story to matter. I don't give enough for my story to matter. I don't have... A, enough uh, of skill or talent or whatever for my story to matter. Or maybe maybe I'm just a little bit weird. I, I, I actually like thin Oreos. I don't know if God can make my story matter. <laughs> Do any of y'all actually like thin Oreos? Do you? Every time I go to the store and I see those things, I'm like, who in the world would eat thin Oreos? Whoever said, man, there's just too much goodness in the middle. Give me less of that. What, are you communist or something? I don't understand. <laughs> yes, I'm with Rick. The only Oreos that ought to exist are double stuff or mega stuff and that's it. Or even just give me the stuff. I don't care, I'll take any of it, right? But sometimes we come up with whatever the excuse is. Well, I don't feel like it, I got too much wrong. I, there's no way my story can matter. But here's what we learn from the example of Jesus in Philippians 2 is Paul lifts up Jesus as our example, lifts up his life as a story that really does matter. And he makes a point that it's something that every single one of us is called to live. In fact, what he says is that Jesus emptied himself. So this morning, what I wanna do is I wanna ask three questions. I wanna give us three questions for us to carry with us. They're not just instant questions. These are things that we need to wrestle with because the truth is our story isn't done yet. Our story isn't fully written yet, that if we still have breath, then God's not done with us. If we still have air in our lungs, we're still writing parts of our story. So even if you don't like what's been written, yet, you can start today and be part of a story that matters. Question number one, if you're a note taker this morning, question number one is what does God want? What does God want? What does God want? And then you fill in the blank. What does God want in my marriage? What does God want in my workplace? What does God want in my dating life? What does God want in the way I handle my finances? That in every single area, and there's no way I could describe all of those, but in every single area, if our story is gonna really matter to say, God, what do you want in my story? See, as Paul's writing, this example of Jesus is so, so powerful because here's what he says. If you look down in chapter two, verse five, he says, have this mind in yourselves which was yours, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So he's lifting up Jesus as our example. And here's what he says about Jesus. He says in verse six, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God, something to be grasped. In other words, he's referring to the fact that Jesus is God, that Jesus before he came to this earth was in heaven, he is in essence, God, but he did not grasp onto the benefits of heaven. He didn't uh, latch onto, I'm just gonna stay here and be separate. But when he left heaven, he was willing to set aside the opulence of heaven, to set aside the benefits of heaven. He was willing to come down to this earth and listen to how he describes this in verse seven, 
but he emptied himself. How? By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Verse eight, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. In other words, when you look at the life and the example and the ministry of Jesus, you're looking at the life, the example of somebody that answered one big question. And here's the question, what does God want for my life? God, what do you want? God, what do you want me to do? God, what is your desire? And so Jesus was willing to do whatever it took when he left heaven and he came to this earth, we're reading about the invisible God becoming visible. When we read about Jesus, we're reading about the untouchable God becoming tangible. And when he came to this earth, he could have sat on a throne. When he, sat, when he came to this earth, he could have said, everybody come to me. But instead, Jesus' life was shaped by this bigger question, God, what do you want? You see it throughout his life. I mean, one of the accounts that we read about Jesus when he was a teenager, he's like 12 years old. His family traveled to Jerusalem to be part of this important activity that's going on. And they traveled with their extended family. So there's like 30, 40, 50 of them traveling together. They travel to Jerusalem. They're there for a few days and then they leave. And I don't know if you know this part of the story, but after they left, like three days later, they realized they forgot Jesus. Now, I'm not going to take a poll. How many of you have ever forgotten your kids somewhere? I'm not going to do that. But can you, can you just imagine, put yourself there in a, just for a moment. Can you imagine the panic that must have been going through their, their minds right there? Can you just imagine the conversation that was going on? I thought you were watching Jesus. I thought you were watching Jesus. He was with his cousins. We didn't have that little leash where you link them all together. If we had the, the Honda minivan like every other family had, we wouldn't have lost you. Can you imagine judgment day for these two? You lost my only son. <laughs> Not a good day, right? Not a good thing to happen. And so they go back to Jerusalem. They find him at the temple. Mary, I'm, you know, I'm just imagining that she's having a meltdown. Where have you been? What have you been doing? And Jesus' response basically was this. Did you not know I had to be about my father's business? Even as a middle schooler, his life answered this one question. God, what do you want? And you see it throughout his ministry. When Jesus started his public ministry, he was led into the desert where he fought basically for 40 days and 40 nights where Satan threw everything that he had at him, every single temptation, every single selfish thing he could have done. And every single time Jesus said, I can't go to that place. I can't do that thing. It's not the will of the one that sent me. And then he told his disciples over and over again, there's coming a day I must go to the cross. There's coming a day I must lay down my life. There's coming a day that I'm gonna die on the cross. And they would push back on it. They're like, Jesus, you can't do that. Jesus, we'd go to the cross for you. And Jesus would always come back and say, it's the will of the one that sent me. Why? Jesus' life answered that question. God, what do you want? And that's a powerful question because what happens is when we get our eyes off of that question, we start looking around instead of asking God, what do you want? We start asking what's everybody else doing? And we get sucked into this world of comparison. We get sucked into this rat race. We get sucked into competing with everybody else. Man, I'm telling you, comparison is a killer to a story that matters. 
We start looking online and we're like, instead of looking up saying, God, what do you want? We look online and we're like, but man, they've got a bigger house. They've got another promotion. They've got an, another new boat. They've got, the, and you start listing off all of this stuff and you start comparing yourself. And so you start making decisions based on comparison instead of the desires of God. You start making decisions focused on other people instead of on him. And comparison rips our story apart. They're like, man, their life looks great. Here they are, they're on another vacation again. Hey, look at them, they got another promotion. Hey, look at them, they look smiley. They got the perfect filter. They got 4,700 likes and I don't even have one like. And, and then ladies, you show up at church and you start looking around and you're like, man, how come my kids aren't like them? I mean, their kids look pristine. They, they, they're matching and they've got uh, little snacks with them. I can't even keep the bow in my girl's hair on the way here, right? And you start looking around and you're like, man, I barely got my kid here and their kid's in the sixth grade and already has 30 hours of college credit. How do they do that? <laughs> Comparison is a killer. It's a killer. Let me just ask you this. Do you realize that Jesus had brothers and sisters? Did y'all know that? Can you imagine the comparison that was in Jesus's family? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if you're the brothers of Jesus and you're in the living room and you're having like WWE Smackdown and one kid comes off the ropes, right? Does an atomic elbow smash. Can you imagine if your mother is Mary and she walks into the room? Can you imagine that moment where Mary walks in the room? She's like, boys, cut out, boys, quit it. Why can't you be more like your brother Jesus? Um, because he's God. <laughs> oh yeah, good point. Comparison is so dangerous. Instead of what is everybody else doing and what does the world say success looks like to stop and to say, God, what do you want? That's question number one. If we're, as we're saying from today forward, I can't go back and rewrite yesterday. I can't go back and erase that last chapter, but from day, today forward, I can live intentionally by asking, what does God want? And then question number two, and this is a huge question, who can I serve? Question number two is who can I serve? Who is it that God's put in my path that I can help? Who is it that God's put in my path that I can treat them as if their story matters as well? Who is it that God's put in, my, in, in the direction I'm going that I can realize that they too are made in the image of God and they too were created for relationship and they too are writing a story with their life and they too have a story that matters and they too deserve to be treated like somebody that has a story that matters. That's saying, who can I serve? Listen to what Paul says as he's writing to them. He says back, if you rewind just a couple of verses, he says in verse three, do nothing. Do you see that? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. He says, do absolutely nothing. So obviously one of the problems that's going on is there's tension among the people within this early church. There's tension among what's going on and the tension is they're being selfish. They're acting like the world revolves around them and selfishness has its root in this one ugly little word called pride. And what happens is when we zoom into our part of the story, we think our story is the only story that matters and pride rears its ugly head. And I'm telling you, pride can hijack any story. Pride would cause us to think, well, it's all about me and it's about my life. And here's what Paul says, when you see other people, treat them as if they're more important than yourself. 
When I was getting ready for this week, I ran across a study that showed that we care 40% less about other people today than we did back in the 80s. That's crazy, isn't it? That we care 40% less about people today than we did back in the 80s. And I started asking the question, well, why does that happen? One reason why I think that happens is the focus on self. We live in this generation that focuses on self and I'm all about us being healthy as individuals, but not to the extent that we forget that other people matter. And so there's this focus on self. I, I think a second reason why we care less is because we're overexposed to suffering. I mean, every time you turn on the news, there's some drama going on, right? And, and honestly, the reason why it's there isn't because it's the only news, it's because they know that fear drives viewership, which drives profits because of advertisement. And so if we're not careful, we get overexposed to drama. And so we just sort of disconnect. And a third reason why I think it happens is because of a lack of personal interaction with people. When you live your life behind a screen, when you live your life just online and not face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball with somebody, you grow really insensitive to their needs. See, it's one thing to see somebody post on Facebook, hey, I got laid off from my job. It's one thing to see that online and comment, I'm praying for you. That's one feeling. It's a totally different sense when you're sitting kneecap-to-kneecap, eyeball-to-eyeball with that person over coffee. If we're not careful, We'll get so isolated, we'll get so insulated that we forget that one of the things that makes us most like Jesus himself is when we serve somebody. We don't have to wait for it to be some organized thing. We don't need some big program. We don't we just need to have our eyes wide open and to be willing to be interrupted, which may mean just to have some margin in our life where we're not so busy running from thing to thing to thing to thing that we forget that those flesh colored things that we pass by when we're driving through our neighborhoods, those are actually people. And those, those, those things at work that, uh, man, get in our way when we're trying to rush in, and those are actually people and those, those are opportunities. Now, I'm not saying that you can meet every single need, man. We wrestle with that personally. We can't meet the needs of everybody, but there is somebody we can do life with. I was thinking about this this week. So I, I, I knew sort of this is where we we're gonna land about two weeks ago and we we're gonna talk about serving. And uh, man, it was so funny this week. I think it it was earlier this week, we have a neighbor that lives a few houses down from us. And there had been a lot of construction work going on at our house. There was a a lot of different worker trucks there. And then a couple of days, there's this big van that had a big logo and it said something about restoration services. And um, I've seen enough flooding and houses go that usually when I see restoration, I'm thinking, all right, there's been some sort of water damage. They're in there ripping stuff up. Shortly, fun fact, 10 years ago when I moved here, I rented one of the church's houses that no longer exists. It got taken over by Highway 20, but uh, I I unpacked everything, got settled in the house. And then two weeks later, we had a lock-in with the youth group and I got home from that lock-in ready to go to bed and the whole house was flooded and they had to pack it back up. And so I've got a little bit of of heart for people with, so I'm wondering what's going on down there? What's going on down there? So I did what every good preacher and every good husband would do. Uh, I had the intention to say to Laura, my wife, I had the intention to say, Laura, you should call and check on her. <laughs> Here's somebody that might have a need, so you go check on it. <laughs> and so honestly, so I, uh, I actually tried to text Laura that morning while it was top of mind. And so I did the whole Siri thing in my car, cause that's the law. 
I've seen some of y'all breaking the law out there on your phones. So I talked to Siri and of course Siri didn't get it right. And so I was frustrated, the text didn't go through. And so I forgot to tell her about it till a couple of days later. And uh, so we were talking about it a little bit. And then on Friday morning, I was on my way home from the gym and I saw worker trucks out in front and I saw our neighbor outside in her yard. I was like, man, I'm gonna go right into the house and tell Laura she should go down here and check on it. <laughs> no lie. And I pull into the driveway and get out. It's like God sucker punched me. It's like, uh, hello, what's wrong with your legs? And so I go down there and I talk to her and then she wants to show me that yes, there'd been a leak and it, you know, ripping out carpet upstairs, hardwood floor downstairs, all this. I go in, go in. And she's got, she's a widow and she's got all these hobbies. And so she's talking about all of her knickknacks that they had to find homes for while they're pulling the carpet up. So she's like, I've got stuff in my, in my uh, bathtub. I got stuff in my shower, I got stuff. She's like, I look like a crazy lady. <laughs> and then she paused for a second and she's like, well, actually I am a crazy lady, but at least I'm not boring. I was like, that's, that's a good way, that's a good way to be, right? And for me personally, I had to learn this lesson that whenever I'm sitting back and I say, well, somebody ought to reach out to her, and you can fill in that blank with something else. Man, somebody ought to step up. Somebody, I can't believe nobody, oftentimes that somebody is a someone and that someone is you, it's me. Man, I can't do everything, but I can do something. I can't, I, I, I can't take on every need in the world, but that doesn't give me uh, a, an excuse not to step into something. See, these are questions about living for the story that matters the most. Number one, God, what do you want? God, for us to pause, not just in some 30 second moment, but to wrestle with that question. God, with the time that I still have left and the margin that's in my life, God, what do you want? Question number two, who can I serve? God, who is it that you've put in my path, not for me to hand off to somebody else, but I could get kneecap, kneecap with them. I could walk alongside them and just do life with them. And here's the third question. What do I wanna be known for? What do I wanna be known for? What's unbelievable, when you look at this passage, there's a future ending that's indicated here. There's something bigger that yes, this church is having drama in the present for them. Yes, this church is experiencing tension in Philippi, right? This letter that's being written. Yes, there's some immediate needs, but man, Paul zooms back and says, there's a bigger story going on. There's something that's bigger than your church and there's something that's bigger than the selfishness that's going on. And there's something bigger about your day-to-day -day routine. And there's something bigger about what seems so impressive at this moment. Here's what he goes on to say. And he sort of fast forwards and he says this in verse nine. He says, therefore, God has highly exalted him. Talking about Jesus. And he's bestowed on him the name that is above every other name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow every, in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is a zoom out to the bigger story. 
This is, uh, hey, let's not get so caught up in the temporary that we forget there's an eternity out there. This is, don't get so caught up in what's not going right right now that you forget that there's a bigger story. And so in Jesus's life, he's looking forward to this future ending. And the future ending is one day every knee's gonna bow. One day every tongue's gonna confess that Jesus is Lord and God's gonna get the glory for it. And so Jesus was so consumed by that ending that he was willing to live in the middle in such a way that drove that. In other words, Jesus is up in heaven. Hey, God, what will it take for you to get the glory? I will do whatever it takes. I will leave heaven and come to this earth. I will take on the form of a human being. I will be misunderstood. I will be, uh, have lies told about me. I will go through a sham trial. I'll do whatever it takes. I will be, I, I'm willing to be beaten. I'm willing to have a crown of thorns shoved down on my head. I am willing even to go to the cross if it helps you get the glory. And if we're not careful, we get so caught up in the here and now that we think our story is the story that matters the most. But man, if you wanna live a story that matters the most, it's gotta be connected to the story that actually does matter the most. We're a subplot within the story of God. And so the stories that matter the most are the stories that are connected to the story that matters the most, that somehow we zoom out from our instant gratification culture and we begin to say, God, if one day every knee's gonna bow, one day every tongue's gonna confess, if one day everything's gonna point to you, God, how can I live today like that's gonna happen? What can I do in my workplace to act like that's gonna happen? What can I do in my family to act like that's gonna happen? Is there some way that my subplot in your story can help drive the plot that one day you're gonna get the credit? But if we're not careful, we'll act like it's about our glory instead of his. And sometimes what happens if we're not careful, this will go to one of, one of two extremes. Either one is, hey, if one day everybody's gonna give God the glory, then it doesn't matter what I do. I'm just gonna sit back and let whatever's gonna happen in the world. And one day we're gonna go to heaven, it's gonna be awesome. And that's one, one way that people sometimes react to this. Another extreme is to get cynical. And just to look at how bad things are. Well, the world's getting darker, the world's falling apart, the world's getting worse, 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 worse. I can't believe that deep, dark world. But I think the Jesus way is somewhere in that middle to say, while I still have time, while I still have margin, while I still have breath in my lungs, I wanna engage in the story of God and I wanna make sure that as many knees that bow are the ones that are in heaven, I want my story to be part of the story of God. One of the things that always intrigues me about sports, and it's fun to watch live sports. I mean, I'm like, anytime there's nachos, I love that, right? Let me pray about it. Yes, amen. Queso is from the Lord. I think there's gonna be queso, vats of queso in heaven. Can I get an amen? I know it's not authentic to have queso at a Mexican restaurant, but it's still good, still good. And so uh, one, one of the comical things about watching live sports though, is that at the end of a game, 
the crowd just goes nuts. I mean, the crowd just goes nuts. And so the camera guy's always looking for the craziest looking person in the crowd. You know what I'm saying? They're just looking for the person that's just going nuts the most. So anytime you watch a sports game and, and somebody wins, the camera guy's panning the crowd and there's all these people up in the stands going, we won, woo, we won, yes, we won, awesome, we won, woo, we did it. And the camera guy always lands somehow on three guys and it's always the three guys that don't have their shirts on. Have you seen this? But it's the three guys that honestly ought to have their shirts on. I mean, they're in shape. It's just the shape of a pair. It's the wrong, right? And they're, they're in the stands. They're like, we want, we want, we want, woo! And then they, you know, they zoom in and he's got like this giant 44 ounce something in one hand, nachos with cheese dip dripping off in the other hand. He's like, we want, we want, we want. And the sarcastic, because I've got the spiritual gift of sarcasm, that part of me wants to rear its head and say, no, 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 you didn't win. We won. No, no, no. The people that won weren't the ones that had nachos in their hand. The people that won weren't the ones that were the armchair quarterbacks saying, well, if I was the guy, yeah. The people that won the game were the ones that paid the price. The people that won the game were the ones that went through two-a-day practices in the summer heat. The, the ones that won the game were the ones that learned the coach's playbook and they got to know the coach and the quarterback so well that they could hear, they could discern their voice in the middle of the chaos. The people that win the game aren't necessarily the ones in the stands. It's the ones that are on the field. And the danger of the messy middle and the danger of the mundane in our stories is that we become spectators in the story that God's writing, that we sit back and we just say, well, one day God's going to get the glory. One day we're going to win. Woo, it's going to be awesome. And my challenge is the people that help drive that story, the people that help point in that direction aren't the people in the stands that are watching. It's the people that are on the field living this out. And so this is an invitation for you. This is an invitation for me, for all of us. To say, while we're still here, while we still have time, let's connect our story to the story that matters most. And the best way that I know how to do that is to follow the example of Jesus. That you and I would wrestle with, God, what is it you want? God, who can I serve? And God, will I be known for somebody that lives for my glory or for the one that truly deserves the glory? Let's live for him. Let me pray for us this morning. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Would you close your eyes? And man, this morning, I wanna pray for what God is doing in this room. One of the things that you see throughout scripture is that even though we have excuses of why we don't think we could be part of that. You see that over and over again throughout scripture. And what I love in scripture is that God engages with ordinary people that have a lot of hangups in their life. And yet he does something unbelievable in them and through them. And the place that all of that actually starts is with a relationship. Hands down, the number one thing that matters in anybody's story is a relationship with Jesus himself. Not just to know about Jesus, not just to know some facts about Jesus, but to have a relationship with him. You say, well, what does that mean to have a relationship? It means that we recognize that the thing that separates us, that gets in the way of having a relationship is our sin. 
that we are born into this world with a sin nature. And because of that, we sin, man, we make mistakes. We fall short of God's great standard. But God, the Bible says, loves us so much that he sent his own son. So that's what we're reading about today. We're reading about God sending his own son, Jesus, who lived a perfect sinless life. So when he died on the cross, he didn't die for his own sin. He died for my sin. He died for your sin. He died for the sin of the world. And then three days later, he came back to life with resurrection life, able to give to anybody that would ask him a brand new start. This morning, if that's never happened for you, I wanna invite you to pray with me. There's nothing magical about this prayer. There's nothing, it's not the specific words. It's not how I phrase it. What actually matters is your heart in it. So if you've never taken that first step into the story of God, I wanna invite you, would you just pray alongside with me? I'll pray out loud. You can pray silently in your head and your heart. You can even do this watching online and listening to the replay. But would you pray to Jesus? I know I am a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. But I do believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you're alive today. And as best as I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save me. Help me to live for you. So we continue praying. If you prayed that for the very first time today, I wanna ask you, would you let us know that? You can use your card that's there in the seat pocket. There's a prayer request or card. You can just say, I prayed with Bobby today. You can give it to one of our ushers or you can come by our meet and greet room. I'd love to know that. Drop me an email, bobby at sugarhillchurch.com. Whatever is easiest for you, but there's some resources that I'd love to connect with you and give you to help you take those next steps. But if you're a believer, maybe as you listen to this, maybe just like me, you're experiencing a little tension of, hey, I sort of know this, but I, I don't, I'm not always engaged in that story. Maybe you just wanna pray this part of the prayer with me and say, dear Jesus, would you help me connect my life and my story to your story? Help me not to be passive in the story of God, Help me not to be pessimistic in the story of God. Help me to engage appropriately and help me to connect this day to your story. Help me to connect this week to your story. Help me to connect my life story to the story of God. God, I pray that for all of us today that you would help us to live with intention, with purpose, that today matters, our relationships matter, our service matters, our work matters, our retirement matters, that every single moment matters in your great story. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, would you stand with me very quietly, very reverently in just a moment, I'm gonna ask Pastor Zach and the team just to lead us. So before we head out, man, I wanna hang out just for a moment because there's something about allowing truth just to drop out of our heads and into our hearts. But before we go, man, I, again, I wanna invite you back next Sunday. If there's a Sunday to be here, be here next Sunday. Pastor Chuck has an unbelievable word for us 
be praying over that. It's gonna be just a great, great day together. Some other cool things happening that I I don't wanna tell you about until they happen. So I wanna invite you to be part of that. Invite somebody with you to be part of that. Secondly, uh, before you just rush off and head to get Mexican food, since I just talked about it in the message, uh, I wanna invite you, rumor has it on the front lawn here out on the sidewalk, Zach, there are moon pies, Little Debbie's and a lemonade. Can I get an amen? Amen. I can confirm the moon pies. Yes, the Lord has spoken. You must have a moon pie today. So I wanna invite you to hang out for a few minutes, say hello to some people outside, get to know part of the family that you get to call welcome home with. But we're so grateful for what God is doing here. So grateful that our stories aren't over, that God's still writing stories and he's still doing that today. So my prayer is we would live with that intention. Let's lift this up and then Zach, when it's appropriate, would you send us out today? Yes.